Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Call. Systems go. Live from the Whiskey 61 Lounge inside the Bank Plus Studio. It's now ordered. Live in the studio. It's the Out of Bounds Show with Low Bounds. Streaming live worldwide on the Out of Bounds Radio app. And on your radio at ESPN 105.9. The Zone. And good morning. Woo! I feel like that was a pretty quick turnaround. But uh, I think I'm in a better spot today than I was yesterday. And and I'm your host, Bo Bounds. I think most of you know that. This is the Out of Bounds Show. 105.9 The Zone ESPN. You know, yesterday I was playing Hurt. I, uh, I got stung by a wasp on Sunday. And uh, still came out of the gate, you know, just like the number one bull rider in the world. Uh, Had to knock out three hours of radio. Had a couple of great meetings yesterday. Really, really awesome lunch meeting Um, that I'm very super, super stoked about. But, um, you know, my hand doubled in size because the dude got me on the top of my hand. Um I made a I made a bad mistake. I went down to my boathouse, Jason, and I thought I saw a wasp on the chair uh, outside on the little deck area, that track decking by uh, Cypress Depot. And this dude was just staring at me like, bring it. So <laughs> I had a towel. Um, and so I thought I'll just pop him. Oh, you fell for it. And I hit him, and underneath that chair was about a dozen of them. Ooh. And they came out storming mad, and one of them dinged me on the top of my left hand. Did and you take a 10 out with you? Did you go down fighting? Yeah, no, I went and got the uh, the big... So, Wendy buys these. I mean, it's some pretty serious cans of wasp spray, yeah. which I guess you got to have if you live on the water. Oh, yeah. You know, and you got all kinds of, like, decks and piers and whatever, right? And so after uh, I realized that my hand wasn't going to fall off, I put some, uh, <laughs> I had been, sun, you know, Saturday and Sunday mornings, um, those, are, those are precious for me because we hustle up here and so on. And I've been doing this for a, you know, year or two. Yeah, And so I like to get up and the house is quiet and it's great. Sit out on the back porch. And eventually after I get some steps in and all that, my morning turns into, you know, I got my stuff out. I may be writing a little bit of stuff down. I may have the laptop up and I'm going to eventually light a cigar with some coffee. Nice. Well, so I put some tobacco on, you know, they say wet tobacco. I don't know if, you know helps a sting okay (laughs) and so i did that for a while but then i put some 
you know, we always, we keep obviously raw honey in the house. I put some honey on there, you know, just a dab right on the, um, but sting. Yeah. I, it immediately felt better. No shot. Yep. Yep. Is that one of those like witch doctor remedies? I don't know. I, well, maybe, <laughs> you know, there's not much honey can't do. Um, you know, it's, it's good for many, many things. Um, I mean, Mickey Rourke and Kim Basinger proved that in the eighties, but, uh, you know, it's also healthy. So, uh, yeah, I put the, but yeah, my hand doubled in size yesterday. I mean, Sunday and Monday, but now it's great. I mean, look at that. Wow. So was yesterday your flu game, would you say? Yeah. I mean, I've gone through worse to do the show. Okay. I mean, I've felt like hammered hell many a times doing this thing. <laughs> it's just part of it. You do the show, then you can you can go home and, and lay down. I mean, it's, you know, 6 a.m. to 11 a.m., and then you can do, do your thing. But, um, I mean, most hosts, it's, you know, 10 minutes before the show, and they're gone five minutes afterwards. But we do a little bit different deal. And, um, yeah, it, no, I don't think it was my flu game. But I will be, I, I, I'll say this. Um it's like playing. It's like playing running back on an ACL tear. Oh wow! And, and knocking down 130 yards for two touchdowns. That's basically what I did yesterday. Or like how Tim Elko kept playing on his torn ACL, kept hitting some bombs. Well, not exactly because, although that was really cool, I think getting hit in football with an ACL is a little bit different. Yeah, true. I, I'll get I mean, that I'm to glad you. that as an Ole Miss fan, you've tried to make that into the. You know, Herculean accomplishment. Come on, it's, it's because, great. Because, you know, no, nobody likes to go crazy over the things that happen within the world of Ole Miss, like Ole Miss fans. Well, of course. Um, but, and it, it's, it's some kind of different, look, growing up in Northeast Jackson, it's some kind of indoctrination, different thing that's very, very, very hard to, uh, you know, wrap your brain around. But, <laughs> I will say this. We are going to talk about the running back position for sure. And uh, Tim Elko did do a hell of a job hitting some home runs with the, with the uh, ACL tear. Um, all right. First, though, th- this week, remi- I'm not going to be able to get there. We're going to be there. Um, it looks like next week at the Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook and Lounge. I'm, I'm excited about my bourbon trip today. Um, going to Lexington, Kentucky, my favorite SEC town. Um, going to see my people. Going out to Wild Turkey Distillery. We'll pick out a Russell's Reserve Barrel, but we will be at the Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook and Lounge a lot. In uh, well, it looks like even late July, but August and September, and probably one or so two in October. But if y'all remember last year, we went every week. In, which was wild to to be up there that much, but a lot of fun. Really got us even more connected to the property, which was great. Philip M's Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Speaking of, okay, so it's a big week. It's a big week. It's a big week, and uh, I got to give away several things today. We've got the Open Championship this weekend, and that's good. We need something on TV for the love of God. <laughs> and um, so what we're going to do is, uh, I've, what, do, what do I have here? This offer is good for a complimentary round of golf for two at the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. 
Ooh. That's a good value. That is a good value. Um, what else do I want to throw in? A separate, a separate, let's see. This will be one, and I'll add to this complimentary round of golf for two at Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. But another giveaway is going to be the uh, one of those yellow long branch bourbon um, bag coolers. Ooh. And we'll put some stuff in there, too. Oh, yeah. So, I'd like to know, um, look, the running back position is, we've been talking about how it's been devalued, that that Jerry Jones made uh, one of the worst decisions in pro football. That's saying a lot when you have the Jets and Lions and Browns (laughs) and Jaguars in the league. Okay, I mean, when you start, when you start a conversation with a buddy and you both just hit a really cool bar and the bartender just poured you some ice-cold Stella Artois, and and the and you say, well, Jerry Jones made one of the worst moves in pro football the last 10 years by giving Zeke Elliott $100 million. I mean, the league is laughing at Jerry Jones again. These guys are not getting deals. You, you know who, and he didn't do it on purpose, but you know one of the kind of lead dogs in devaluing the running back position? Mike Leach. Mike Leach. And and proving that, you know, you can sling it as you should. And especially if you're Mississippi State, Ole Miss. Again, Arkansas, Michigan State, South Carolina-type programs. You got to throw it more than you run it. You're not going to run it into the teeth of these defenses. It's And this whole, let's keep, it on, keep them honest. Golly. Reminds me of Scott Lenahan throwing away first downs. I called it second and Zeke. When they ran Zeke on first down, it was always second and nine for Dak. <laughs> the Out of Bounds Show is brought to you by the super cool Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook and Lounge. An award-winning Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. DancingRabbitGolf.com. We're going to have Luganville early. Uh, Luganville at 730 on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's on the big board? Running NFL running backs getting emotional, emotional on the uh, Twitters. Oh man, oh man, oh man. They want to get paid. 
It's not going to happen. Would you pay a running back that big big money? If I had that big money, I'm keeping it. <laughs> Personally, asking Jason Price. Um, no, no, no. If you're an owner, general manager, would you pay big money for some of these guys? Probably not. Not after seeing the production you can get out of somebody, say like a you know first year guy, second year guy, even Tony Pollard, who was yeah. a fourth year guy who didn't play enough. Yeah, you know his first couple of years because they had so much money wrapped up in the Zeke, they couldn't they couldn't stand it. Yeah, no, I I get that. Um, hmm, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I, we we've got twenty years you know, of football that says you can find these guys from just about anywhere, Jason. And and they can do what you need to do. Right? I mean, Derrick Henry and Adrian Peterson led teams don't drive you to winning the Super Bowl. It's not nineteen eighty three anymore. Although I don't remember who won it in eighty three. Is that the year Marino lost it? Anyway. Out of bounds, ESPN one oh five nine the zone. Maybe that was eighty four. Your Ag Up Equipment text line, 601-885-3776. 601-885-3776. Driven by your next John Deere tractor at Ag Up Equipment. Twitter handle at Bowbounds. And the Michelob Ultra caller line is 601-707-3750. Enjoy an ice-cold Michelob Ultra this week as you take in the Open Championship or enjoy one on Dancing Rabbit Golf Course. I've got Jason with me. I'm coming off this wasp sting, and I feel really good about it. I feel great. I'm 100% now. It got me on Sunday morning, but uh, I didn't let it slow me down. <laughs> Went full, full go all day Sunday, and... Um, did the show yesterday. Um, just the whole thing. It was it was good. You didn't even know. No. Yesterday. That my hand, my left hand was twice the size of my right. You hit it well. Yeah. Well. <sighs> winners win, and that's what we had to do yesterday to get the week going. I mean, somebody's got to get this thing rolling. Hey, what did you think about... I thought Greg Sankey, who, you know... Cracks me up because Greg takes himself very, very seriously. But the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, I thought Greg Sankey had a heartfelt tribute, Jason, to the late, great paradigm shifter, disruptor of football, Hall of Fame coach, Mike Leach. Last year in Atlanta... One of my backstage conversations was about the uselessness of neckties. It was a conversation that went much longer than I anticipated and ended in the rhetorical question of why neckties survive but powder wigs went away. That conversation was with Mike Leach and today I'm without a tie just to honor Mike's memory. You know, we lost Mike in December, a person important, not simply to the Southeastern Conference. We only had him for a few seasons, but to all of college football. He was fascinating and impacted the lives of thousands of people across the college football spectrum and across his life. 
He provided wedding advice, advice, evaluated Halloween candy, and if you ended up in a phone call talking about history, you had better have scheduled a great deal of time as he recited his historical knowledge. He also observed the world from a perspective that made you think, and often made you laugh, and sometimes made you just perplexed. And it's important that we remember people who've contributed be it for the short term or the long term to this wonderful conference. And we're going to miss Mike, but he's not going to be forgotten. That was well done by Commissioner Greg Sankey and his uh, tireless um, opening statement and salute and tip of the cap tribute to the late great Mike Leach. And I have said this before and I will probably continue to say this, but I was very lucky to spend time with him, spend one-on-one time with him, have private conversations with him, and of course, there was nothing better than dining with him or having a Tito's with him. Um, He's been in this studio, did an interview, and um, then hung out over there in the Whiskey 61 Lounge just like he was a dude off the street. And yes, Mike walked in here with some jeans that looked like they were 30 years old and uh, an MSU pullover that it looked like you would buy at Walmart in 1997. That's, uh, <laughs> that's Mike Leach. No airs. Just what you see is, is what you get. And I know I've referenced it many a times, but also hanging out with him for several hours at the NFL draft after Charles Cross was, was drafted was funny because Mike in the middle of basically, you know, all these really, really, really beautiful people partying in the Cosmopolitan at the center bar is, and and by the way, he had taken off his suit. I don't want to surprise you. He was in jeans and a pullover. I'm saying in the, in the middle of the Cosmopolitan bar where you've got people from all over the world and a lot of pretty people, Mike goes up, changes and comes back down with jeans and a, a pullover on. Um, in Las Vegas. But uh, well done, Commissioner Greg Sankey, as a tribute to uh, Mike Lee. Are you a big tie guy? Neck tie? Uh, no, I've, got, I've got a thicker neck, so if I don't have to wear a tie, I prefer it. But, you know, it, it feels good dressing up. I'm, okay. sure, I'm sure you're that way. You like looking spiffy. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've got a great closet. Uh, I'm, I'm good there. I don't wear a lot of it, but I, I'm good. I mean, yeah. if I need to... If I need to get out with the get out, I can do that. That that's not a problem. But, um, yeah, I've I've always liked clothes. You know, um, I, I don't. I'm not as. I went through a stage where I was more so. Um, I mean, I, I really got into it in my, I guess my thirties. You know. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we had the rogue on. You know, Luke's great they're you know what they do and um did that and then you know we've got Kincaid so um they you know we yeah I I like it I don't I haven't worn a tie in I think probably close to three years and I, I went to a wedding in March wow yeah no tie just suit Button down. Yep. No tie. Yeah, and so, but I did wear a tie in March. Oh, okay. okay. I did. You did wear a tie. Yeah. No, I like the open collar look, but every yeah. now and then you do need to put on a tie. 
Right. And, uh, well, for me, it's I think it's once in the last five years. Wow. Maybe four. I couldn't see you in a bow tie. That's a different thing. I could not Can't see, see me in a bow tie. Yeah, maybe like a, a tux. A tux. A tux. Okay. That's the only. Yeah. That's the only time. Like, I have a tux. If, if it's all, it's all really nice. All I, black or I haven't worn it in years. It, it's probably got to be tailored because I'm not as big as as I was 13, <laughs> 14 years ago. Not that I was, a, you know, yeah, dripping with muscles or 190 pounds. <laughs> But uh, I, I would think, yeah, you know, I'm glad you said that. I'm going to have to go back deep in the closet, probably get that thing tailored. You should. Or we can wear it to the show one day, get real formal, you know, maybe have some caviar. Maybe have some caviar. Okay. You know, speaking of Josh Raggio, he has blue Delta jeans. Ooh. You can go get measured at Raggio Mercantile Shop in Raymond. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I haven't done that yet. I, uh... You know, that's that's the thing right now is is blue delta jeans. They figured it out. You know, they cater to a certain crew and, and they've got some influencers. Well, that's an understatement. All right, the Out of Bounds <laughs> show is brought to you by Kincaid's Fine Clothing Shop in Ridgeland on Jackson Street. Tom Luganville coming up next. We'll talk Jimbo Fisher. He can't figure out who's gonna call the plays this year. It's gonna go great in College Station. Back in a second. that that's some uh good music i haven't you know i haven't seen the black crows live since probably like 2011 at the ramen in nashville uh speaking of nashville that's where sec media days is and we're gonna drop a little audio for our next guest see what he thinks about uh jimbo fisher talking about what he's gonna do and what Bobby Petrino is going to do. I don't think anybody knows what anybody's going to do. But anyway, this is the Out of Bounds Show brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi. It's going to be Blue, the official health care provider of the Out of Bounds Show. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi. This is Jimbo Fisher yesterday at SEC Media Days. There's a lot of things, and you're still involved with what goes on. I'm not going to get into what we're doing, how we're doing it again. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to avoid anything. I just don't want to... Create you give you creative angles and narratives out there for what goes on. But listen, I, Bobby was hired for a reason, and he's a tremendous coach and tremendous guy and a tremendous uh, football mind, tremendous recruiter. He's done a great job recruiting since he's been there. Uh, everything he does, and uh, you know, he'll call a lot of. I mean, hopefully he'll call the game. We have suggestions on things we do, and whether it's offense, defense. Every coach is always involved. That it's a more collective thing that people want to give it room for. And then when, but when you get to call and you get on a roll, you got to have a guy that can do it. And I think Bobby can definitely do that. As well as anybody in college football. <laughs> Tom Luganville joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line. Lugs, uh, who's going to call plays in College Station? <laughs> uh, Bobby Petrino, as long as everything's going well. <laughs> I mean, at, at the end of the day, Bo, um, and he is right, you know, and, I, and, and I've been a part of coaching staffs, and, and it is a collaborative process, and you are putting things together during the week. But at the end of the day, there, there kind of has to be one voice, right, that is leading the charge of how you're going to call the game, manage the game, what you're going to do on third and minus three, what you're going to do on, on second and plus eight on the right hash, 
like all of those sorts of things. And I think that the process throughout the week is very collaborative and you are going to come up with the ideas based off of what the opponent's doing that you think gives you the best advantages and the best matchups. But until you're in the fire, right? Until that game starts being played and whether momentum is going against you or it's going with you, or let's just say you stalled a little bit and you've had a three and out on two consecutive series, you don't know what the head coach is going to do, especially if he is a guy that's been accustomed to running the offense his entire career. So I, I think in theory and on paper, ideally, Jimbo envisions this as being Bobby's offense. And if I see something during the course of a game or I have a feel for something as the head coach, it's my right to chime in, give a suggestion, or even give a directive. And <laughs> how that relationship works out, and I use that term on purpose, how that relationship works out is going to be very, very interesting. I mean, I, I think it's one of the most fascinating dynamics we're going to see in college football this year. Okay, so we know that coaches, the overwhelming majority of them, have very strong personalities. And strong. I mean, it's very rare, even the assistants, that you come across these guys that are passive. Uh, I mean, you know the right. drill, Todd. This is an alpha-led, yeah. driven deal, 100%, all the time. Um, and paranoia-led as well. I oh, guess. yeah, I've always said if you can get the <laughs> right combination of paranoid, hard-headed, and, you know, <sighs> paranoid, hard-headed, and driven then you you can get a, a great coach but the these two guys are not going to change uh, Jimbo's mid to late 50s Bobby's older than that I, they're not going to change at this point in in their career so when the let's say the stuff hits the fan down in Miami week two yeah then I think that's when we're going to realize exactly how this thing is going to play out and maybe how it could work or not work. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. And it might be a little premature because, you know, you're trying to figure out, you know, who you are and you got new terminology and you got a new approach and, you know, you're, you're shifting philosophies and, you know, there's no preseason games. Um, but I, I do think there's a certain expectation level with, with Texas A&M's talent, particularly within their receiving core, which is really, really good. Um, there's going to be an expectation to perform at a high level early. And I think a lot of that expectation comes from the fact that we've seen Jimbo not excel at adapting and evolving to the game. But we've also seen Bobby Petrino do just that. Bobby True. Petrino could go from Brian Brom and Ryan Mallett to Lamar Jackson, and he evolved. Okay, so... I think that because of that, and people have seen that, they're expecting maybe less of a learning curve. They're may, maybe expecting fewer potholes in the road. But the reality is it might take a few weeks. It might, be go, it might go beyond that game. Um, but I think that uh, the whole thing, in my opinion, it, it, it really is going to be based on how does Jimbo respond if you have a bad series or two. How does Jimbo respond if Bobby calls something on third and four 
and Jimbo would have called something different. Mm. What does he do? Like what, what type of friction, what type of conflict is it on the headset? Is it in the locker room? Um, can it be heard amongst the team, which is, of course is something you want to really avoid at all costs. Like what does Jimbo do? And I think that's what this whole thing kind of, kind of depends on. Okay, Tom Luganbill, National College Football Analyst with ESPN. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Kind enough to uh, rearrange his schedule for us this week, and we're talking Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino. I think it's going to be one of the most fascinating stories, storylines, two successful men, driven men. Jimbo needs to win. Petrino's looking for one last reboot. I don't know where it could lead, but he knows if he has a big year and he does lead the offense, it could maybe lead to something pretty cool the next few years. Sure. Do you think it's dawned on Jimbo Fisher? Because Bobby Petrino's better than Jimbo Fisher as an offensive coach. Do you think that has do you think Jimbo Fisher has realized that in the last whatever it is, three, four, five months, as they've sat down and discussed Offensive philosophy or watch tape, Luke's with his ego, absolutely not. I didn't think so. <laughs> um, but you, you do have to give him credit, just like you have to give Dabo Sweeney credit for the offseason move that he yes. Made, that you know it, it. We're getting to the point now where it ultimately falls on the head coach. And in the and and I, if I'm going to preserve my own legacy or my own career or my my job for that matter, if things aren't going well or haven't been going well to the level that has been expected under my leadership offensively, you have to give Jimbo Fisher credit. And let me tell you something. He went out and he got a guy that is about as good of an offensive football coach as you will find over the last twenty five years in college football. Yes. So that does tell that does tell you that, and and we're talking about two pretty combative at times personalities on the <laughs> same staff, and one of them's relinquishing the offense to the other. Now think just think about some of those personality dynamics there. I mean, there's there's there there's a lot to that. So Jimbo Fisher deserves a lot of credit. Does that mean he thinks Bobby's a better coach than him? I don't know if I'll ever believe that. Okay. All right. Have have you had some one on one? Tom, I mean, I feel like you've had one-on-one time with just about everybody in college football the last 20 yeah. years. But have you had some, you know, one-on-one time with Bobby Petrino over the last 15, 20 years? I, I have. I have on, on a few occasions. Um, well, number one, he's a West Coast guy, and I'm a West Coast guy originally. And he, when he was a younger coach, he was, you know, in Idaho that was during the time when my dad was at San Diego State and the Aztecs were pretty prominent. Marshall Falk and all those guys were there. There were everybody was running the 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 one back offense, the the Dennis Erickson stuff. That was when that stuff got super popular, um, and the stuff that um, oh, uh, the former coach at uh, at Washington State that had gotten the job at Alabama briefly. Oh, Mike Price. Yeah, Mike Price was doing some of those spectacular things offensively in the one back set. So there were a lot of commonalities there. And so he would recognize my last name and then that would turn into a, you know, a discussion about football or coaches or who Mm -hmm. we knew and things of that nature. And then it just so turns out um, a guy who was a GA for my, my father at at Arizona state in the, in the, in the early eighties who later went on to become an NFL um, 
uh, scout for close to 30 years, uh, he ends up becoming the director of player personnel at Louisville when, when, when Bobby was there the second time. And so um, I had an opportunity to, which is rare because Bobby doesn't really let a lot of people near the, near the program, but I had an opportunity to go in there, spend a few days, talk ball, talk recruiting, you know, sit down with coach. Um, You know, it's interesting. You just, He's a very, very unique personality. You know, he's rough around the edges. He's not over. He can come off as not overly friendly. But I know a lot of. You know, Mark D'Antonio was like that. Dave Doran can be like that. Dan was like that there. for years. He's he's sure, mellowed yeah. and soft. But man, D- Mullen had his guard up pretty hard and heavy the first you know several years he was a head coach. And that's an Urban Meyer thing. Yeah, that's an Urban Meyer thing. Yeah, because that's all he's known. And. um and, you know, Urban's like that. But then when you actually sit down, have some conversation, find some common denominators that um, – and for me, I was always able to for – for, for a lot of coaches, especially some of the ones that were, let's just say, 50 and above, 55 and above, pretty, pretty good chance that somewhere along the way I know somebody that they know, right? And then mm-hmm. that's a good kind of icebreaker – you start talking about, you know, common relationships or, and then it gets into to football or, you know, recruiting oftentimes becomes a big part of the, uh, of the puzzle because um, they know my role in that. And so um, with a guy like Bobby Petrino, you know, you kind of have to have some, got to have some things to break down his walls a little bit. I can't wait. I can't wait. I just. Um, <laughs> it's going to be fun. It, it is, really is because Jimbo is still protected. By a massive contract, um, and you know, but but the lease just not it's it's unforgiving. This is not the ACC, and I, I I'm not taking anything away from what whoever's done what over there, and I am impressed with Dabo, but it, it I just don't see a path for a really big season for them. All right, so let's do get into the quarterback because Mississippi State and Ole Miss both play Texas A and M. Uh, this year, Ole Miss will host A&M in November, and then Mississippi State will travel to A&M in November. Ah, it's back-to-back week, so it's late in the year. Okay, Connor Wigman, yeah. uh, are you – where are you going with this? Do you do you feel like he's the guy and and he can be – really thrive under Bobby Petrino at Texas A&M, Tom? Yeah, I do. I do feel that way. I thought he showed a lot of promise last year under very difficult circumstances. True. We had him in the Under Armour All-America game. One of the things that I thought really strongly about was how mature he was. And um, he was a little bit ahead of the curve, which meant like, in my mind, okay, maybe this guy could handle having to play early if they needed him to, and maybe not have as many struggles as most true freshmen would have. And so um, from that perspective, uh, I was excited to see how he how the thing would play out, and I kind of, to be honest with you, once that thing started crumbling really early in the season at quarterback, you knew they were going to play him because they were going to be left with no other option. It was like, well, why don't we see what this kid's made of? And if he shows us something, now we got something we can build around for the next two to three years. Um, and, and listen, at the at the end of the day, uh, look at Bobby Petrino. Everywhere he's been, whatever he's doing is extremely quarterback friendly. Yeah. Almost all of the guys have flourished, right? And, and if you get, pers- get good personnel around him, and if the kid's willing to work and he's smart, which I think Connor is, um, I, they'll be fine. Here's the thing. If they settle in at quarterback, 
because at the end of the day, that's really that's really been the problem there. They've got good enough players at every other spot, running back, tight end, sure. wide out, yeah. certainly on defense. You get the quarterback fix, now all of a sudden we're having an entirely different conversation about Texas a and I mean, we really are. And, so and, if that comes to fruition, then they're going to be just fine. Tom Luganbill on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line talking Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss play A&M late in the season in November. Ole Miss will host A&M the next weekend. Mississippi State will travel to College Station. Uh, so you're, are you pretty confident it'll be Connor Wigman over Max Johnson? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think it will be. Okay. And he's more mobile than I think maybe people think, isn't he? Connor Wigman, that is. Yeah, yeah, he is. But Max is a little bit more mobile than people think he is, too. He just doesn't look like it. It's kind of deceptive. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, that's, that's, that should be a heck of a battle because Jimbo already knows what Max brings. He's seen a little bit of, of, of Connor. Now you put him into a different scheme with some different terminology. It's kind of like you press a reset button, and they're both starting, you know, in, in the starting gates, but they're, they're, they're playing with the same deck of cards. So now it's just going to come down to who beats who out. All right, let's go to yesterday. Brian Kelly was, you don't get a lot from media days. You and I met there like 10 years ago. And and you used to go every year. I'm saying you, we, media. Yeah. And now you got Twitter and SEC Network and so on. And it's just really not not worth it. But uh, maybe to, you know, go in real quick and bounce back out. But yesterday they asked Brian Kelly, they just, man, they just moved right past Alabama and asked Brian Kelly, you know, if he had the talent to compete against Georgia. And he said, uh, the way we're recruiting, we will, but we don't today. I love the fact that they mm-hmm. didn't even include Bama. We're, we're now, we, we've now got Bama's and, you know, afterthought. But how close do you think LSU is to catching Georgia? Um, well, first of all, I think the reason why they just gloss over Alabama because there's an expectation that's already there. There's, there's a, uh, I guess you, say, you could say a standard that's already been proven to be able to play with Georgia. So they don't include them anymore in the conversation, which they should. I would agree with Brian Kelly because I think what he's referencing is the, the depth of the football team, the depth of the roster. If you ask Brian Kelly specifically, Hey, if you took your ones and their ones, could you compete or beat Georgia? I bet his answer would have been different. Yeah. I bet he would have said yes. But what they asked him was, is where, you know, as a football team in his response to your point right there, and I'm paraphrasing was, well, we're, we're going to be, and he's right. But what he's referencing is depth. He's referencing when a Mason Smith comes off the field is another Mason Smith rotating in there. At some positions at LSU right now, the answer is probably yes, but not all of them. At Georgia right now, is the answer yes for just about all of them? Probably so. And I think that's, that's really the difference at the end of the day is the collection of talent that fulfills every position in your twos and threes if you're going to try to make that assessment about where you stand as it relates to Georgia. Okay. I'd like to get your reaction to this quote from Brian Kelly yesterday at SEC Media Days, head coach at LSU. Um, he up he opened up on what he likes better about LSU compared to Notre Dame, and I quote, there are rules you have to follow in an environment like Notre Dame, and you can't cross those lines, end of quote. 
Luke's? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's 100% right. I'll tell you that. Um, in more ways than one, too. Um, and I think the first thing that comes to mind there would be academics, just because there's, there's no flex. There's no bend. Um, the line is drawn. If a kid meets, you're fine. If he doesn't and he's close, it doesn't matter that he's close. We're not getting him in. And that's not going to be the case at LSU. If it's close, the guy's a difference maker, and they think they can work with him. they got the academic infa- infrastructure and support, and they've got all the other things in line to help that young man succeed, then they're going to do it. And that's why a Notre Dame will never compete with an Alabama or a Georgia or uh, an Auburn or an LSU. Um, they just they, they won't. And I'll, I'll say this, too. And I, and I know he wasn't asked about it, but I remember vividly this past offseason when, when Marcus Freeman wanted to hire Andy Ludwig from Utah. And Notre Dame wouldn't pay his buyout. If I was Marcus Freeman, I would have got on my phone with the agent that day and said, whatever big job or any type of good job that comes up next offseason, put my name in the hat. You're telling me you're Notre Dame and you want to compete on a national stage and you won't pay off Utah's payout to get their offensive coordinator? That wouldn't even be a question if that was Alabama or LSU or Georgia. Right. It wouldn't even come up in a conversation. No. So I, I agree with Brian Kelly. He's, he, he's right. There's vastly more resources, and, um, and they're directed at football. So he's, he's working with a, a wealth of riches. Yeah. I don't know what Notre Dame's future looks like in football. They can't win it. I just don't see a path, Tom. Not with everything you just went over, and we could go over many other things that they have to hurt. They're just not going to be able. They can't even get through a 14 playoff, much less a 12 team with Georgia, Bama, LSU, and there's some other ones coming. Uh, Ohio State's obviously never going to go anywhere. Um, Yeah. I mean, don't you agree? You and I grew up. I mean, I grew up, you know, late 70s, early 80s, or early 80s, I start remembering what's going on. You know, people talked about Notre Dame, like, you know, Notre Dame, because they were the thing coming out of World War II. I mean, they'll never have the magic or or a powerhouse program again, in my opinion. Do you remember, do you remember Tony Rice? Absolutely. Did you know he was a Prop 48? I did, now that you said it. So let's let's really put that in context. Late eighties, Notre Dame, and they're taking Prop Forty Eight. Lou Holtz, when Bob Davy. He he. Bob Davy took that job. No poor Prop Forty Eight. That's right. So Lou got them to take what, like a handful every, or not even a year, but like a couple per class. Is that right, Tom? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And look what what a difference it made, and and what was created, um, and again. Different eras, different time. Remember, you were, you were talking about, you know, post-World War II and things of that nature. Well, think about their, their true, true dominance. It was essentially, it came to an end at the rise of cable television in the mm. beginning of the arms race. Yes. Because that leveled the playing field. So a Notre Dame, I'll give you a prime example. So my, my dad's San Diego State teams in the early 90s are playing on a Thursday night against UCLA or Miami or BYU in those barn burner games, if you remember those things. Yeah. Right? So 
that, you know, five years prior to that, you would have never seen those games on TV. You know who you saw on television? A handful of teams. Notre Dame, right. Nebraska, Michigan, <laughs> Alabama, Texas. What? That was it because there was only network television. So the moment everything expanded, all right, and it, it leveled the playing field, it's exactly what it's what crushed Nebraska's program, and they still haven't recovered. No. And let's also not forget during that time. Now we have 85 total scholarships and 105 total players. Back then, you had 105 scholarship players and unlimited walk-ons. Yeah, Bear Bryant and some of those others just loaded up well oh. above the the scholarship Big limit. Time. So did Notre Dame. Tom Luganville, have a great week. Thanks for working with us. See you, buddy. All right, buddy. See you. National College Football Analyst with ESPN. Luke's joined us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Want to say good morning. Welcome in to you. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for hanging out with us. I'm your host, Bo Bounds. We are the Out of Bounds Show, 105.9 The Zone ESPN. We're always brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi. It's good to be blue. The official health care provider of the Out of Bounds Show, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi. Don't forget this week. Charbroiled oysters at Drago's Seafood Restaurant and Oyster Bar. Pair it with an ice cold Michelob Ultra or Stella Artois. Charbroiled oysters, gumbo, maybe a fried shrimp po' boy. Drago's on the property of the Hilton Jackson. Detilier, eight thirty.